Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am Stephen. I'm the pastor here. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. A few of you are saying it awesome. Great. Uh, well, uh, I'm very, very excited to be here with you guys. Um, one of the things uh, that I have been realizing in my family is, you know, there's no secret it's been a very difficult year. Thank God we are in month 12 of that year. And uh, one of the things that Katie and I started to discuss a few weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving, is one of the effects that 2020 has had on just the pattern of my family is just how sluggish we have become. That just by default, I think we've become lazier and more complacent and kind of hung out. I see a lot of nods. Like I'm watching more TV than I ever have before. And uh, and that's kind of become our default. Like when we don't know what to do, we just kind of hang out at home and watch TV because the stay at home order kind of got us into that pattern. And even though we can go out and about a little bit more, I think we're still kind of in that pattern. And one of the things we realized was we just don't get outside enough and like have fun together. We just kind of hang out at home. And you guys know when you just hang out on your couch all day, like it, it affects you emotionally, right? You just feel kind of lazy and sluggish. And so we went to Walmart, the beginning of all great journeys and adventures. And uh, for 25 bucks, we bought three Frisbee di- or like disc golf Frisbees. Have you guys ever played disc golf before? Five of us. Awesome. Well, I did. And uh, we went to, there's a disc golf course uh, at Borderland. And then there's one in Middleborough that we went, we went to one in Middleborough and um, we'd never played it before, but we're like, it's throwing a Frisbee, I, and there's a cage, and you throw it into the cage. So we're like, I think we got it. And we showed up, and we got to hole one right at the same time as another guy did, and we realized this guy was way more into this thing than we were. He had, like, earbuds in, and he had a backpack with, like, ten discs. I'm like, why do you need ten? We have three, and I feel like we have too many right now. And, uh, and I was like, why don't you go first? Because I had my five-year-old and three-year-old with me, and they're just, like, you know, doing somersaults. They don't care what's actually happening. I'm like, it's going to take a while for us. And so he like curls it in his arm and he just like, and it like goes over a cloud and he just keeps walking and I don't even see it land. He's just like, thanks man. And then he disappears. And as he's walking away, no joke, on the back of his calf was a tattoo of a disc golf cage. I'm like, okay, this guy's way more into it than I will ever be. And so I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't as hard as I thought. And so I get my disc and I throw it and like it goes 12 feet and hits a tree. And I'm like, okay, Katie, why don't you throw it and we'll use your throw. And somehow mine was better because she throws it backwards and it hits a tree. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, we need to watch the YouTube tutorials because we don't know how to play this. But we're just, it, it was actually a lot of fun. We've done it a few times because we're basically just chasing a Frisbee around the woods. And our girls are having a blast doing it. And for us, it's an excuse to get outside. Because I have found, and I'm sure you feel the same way, that the more you're inside glued to your TV, which, by the way, Netflix stock is through the roof right now, um, it affects you in that you just feel grumpier, you kind of feel negative, you feel irritable. Like, I feel all of those those things, and we're kind of hitting that head on today. We are in a series right now called Christmas at the Movies, and we've kind of looked at what are three or four different things that we feel like we all just need to be challenged with, reminded of from the Bible after this year and how it's affected us. And one of those is, I think, the negativity, the the grumpiness, the, the irritability that a lot of us not only are feeling, but we're just seeing around us. Like, we live in a negative world, but man, it's highlighted and on display and spotlighted now more than it's ever been before. And so we began this series last week 
um, by pairing uh, a teaching on what do we do when life doesn't go as planned and taking ownership for our circumstances with clips from one of my favorite Christmas movies, Home Alone. Uh, and this week we'll continue on by looking at, you guys could probably guess based on the theme, The Grinch. Uh, anybody seen The Grinch? Many of us have. There's like six or seven different versions of it out there. Um, but The Grinch, he's like, you know, the grumpiest, most negative person in Whoville, right? And, and many of us know the story, and it's kind of a weird story. Like, I'm not quite sure what Grinch actually is. My daughter asked me if he was an alien, and I thought, that's actually maybe true. He kind of looks like an alien. We don't entirely know, but it's, it's basically a story about joy, right? It's a story about perspective and how uh, when Christmas comes... For him, he actually gets angrier and more irritated and annoyed at all the festivities around him. So what I want to do um, is I, wanna, <laughs> I just want to show a clip first of all, and then what we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about this theme, and we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that some of you may be very familiar with because we've taught in it a few times before, um, but I want to pair it with the Grinch because I think if some of us have the self-awareness, to be honest, we feel a little bit like a Grinch right now. So let's watch this clip. This is from the newest Grinch that came out like two or three years ago that some of you may not have seen before, and then we'll jump into our teaching. This season's greetings, folks. And Merry Christmas. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> <sighs> for my Christmas stuffing. No. Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> Who hadn't seen that one? That's like the first time you've seen a clip from that one? Yeah. So one thing that I like about that rendition is they animate mustaches very well. I noticed that. And little ladies. Well, like, the, like all of the little ladies in it just crack me up. Like, excuse me. I'm like, those are really good. So, uh, uh, you know, I think we all kind of see where this is going. And do you know somebody who just sucks the life out of a room? We do, right? Go ahead and point to that. I'm just, don't do that. Okay. If you were quick to point to someone, you might be that person, by the way. Uh, we all struggle with this, right? It's so easy for us to become negative 
and cynical towards things, even when there's not much to be negative about. Like, the Grinch is annoyed that people are singing, right? And, and for him, you know, it kind of shows this picture that it's almost like he feels like they're attacking him with Christmas spirit, and he just wants to escape it, right? But I think in all of us, we, it's so easy for us to get cynical towards things, even when there's not much to be cynical towards. There's like an old saying that 10,000 compliments plus one criticism equals one criticism, right? That's just like if you hear feedback and you hear, you did a great job on this, great job on this, and here's the one thing I'd change, that's all you hear, that's all you zone in on, right? That, that's just, it's in our spirits. I, I remember a few years ago when the Sox surprised everybody and won the World Series in that unbelievable year, broke records, like n- none of us saw it coming, right? And then they had this unbelievable season. A few months later, um, I'm at Cumberland Farms, and I hear uh, two older guys complaining because they started off spring training 0-2 which those games don't matter at all. Like, they're not even having the whole team play, and, and they're kind of grumbling. And I go over there, and I'm like, yeah, but we're the reigning World Series champions. We just, we, it was like a bonus World Series. None of us thought we were going to win. Like, who cares if we lose all of our spring training games? And they're like, well, they're going to botch it again this year. It's typical socks. It's like, isn't that kind of how we are? It's like everything goes great. And Hey, they didn't. I remember when the Patriots won the Super Bowl a few years ago, and I was watching with fans, and they were irritated because they didn't win by more. Like, they won the Super Bowl. That, that kind of is how we view life. And the thing is, that's not new. That's just ingrained in us. That negativity, it's our default mode. Like, positivity is our disciplined mode. And some of you are more naturally negative than others. Like, some of you are, like, your spiritual gift is being grumpy. Like, some of you are better at it than the rest of us, but we all struggle with this. We all, like, our default mode, because of the sin nature inside of us, is we, we trend towards negative. We have to be disciplined and intentional to be more positive and, op- and optimistic around us. It takes work to be positive. That's not something that comes naturally to us, and, and some of us even less naturally than others. So the question that I think it's important that we just kind of spend a few minutes wrestling on in this Christmas season is where are you finding yourself being too cynical and too negative right now? And the answer to that question might not be a where, like a part of your life. It might be a who, like who are you finding yourself? Like you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. You're irritated. That might be someone at work. It might be someone in your family, but like you're just, you're just kind of have a negative perspective. They can't do anything right in your mind. And I think we all have that person, right? What can we do to trend towards positive? Because today I want to help you identify the source of your negativity and replace it with something so much healthier. I want to give you something better to focus on. So we're going to look at a passage in Philippians chapter 2 that Paul writes to the church of Philippi centuries ago. And it's funny because even though this was written um, nearly 2,000 years ago, it seems just as relevant as if he was writing it to us today. And here's what it says, Philippians 2.14. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And here's something I I just want to point out, that this whole issue of complaining and being cynical, it's been around for every generation, I think we can read this and be like, that reminds me of the world we live in now. But this was written 2,000 years ago. And even before that, on page 2 of the Bible, Adam and Eve, we see this with them, where God gives them this, this beautiful garden. 
And he says, you have everything in it except for that one tree over there, but everything in it is yours. And what do they focus on? The one tree they don't have, the one thing that God doesn't give them. Like that is, that is in our hearts is we have all that we have, and yet we focus on what we don't. We focus on what's not right. We focus on what we wish was different. That negativity, it's just baked into our sinful selves. We're born into it. It's not something we need to learn. If you don't believe that, just go over to our kid's wing and just hear the whining, right? Like nobody has to teach kids to whine. It's just, it's ingrained in them. No one has to teach adults to wine. Some of you are better at it than your kids, right? And in this passage, Paul equates not complaining with godly, innocent lives. Like, it's not like complaining is just an annoying habit. Like, he's actually saying that your choice to not complain is the choice of a godly, innocent life. And why is that? Because that is the true nature of God. And so few people do it. Such a rare quality to find that negativity is innate, but joy is learned. And you would think, because of all the Christmas commercials around us and all the movies and all the, the, the conversations about Christmas joy right now, you would think that the Christmas season would be enough to pull us out of unhealthy patterns of thinking, right? Like, like, I think some of us think, okay, now that Thanksgiving is past and we're in Christmas, like it's just easier to be happy. That'd be easier for us to do to do life without complaining or arguing. But for a lot of us, it's just the opposite. Like a lot of us, like just like the Grinch, the Grinch, the joy of Christmas, it just irritated him more. It elevated his anger. And even when things weren't that bad, they were still that bad because he had no filter through which this, to see the world in a positive light. So he turned everything into something far worse than it really was. So what's that for you? Like what are the things in your life that you're just, you're turning dark? Like you're turning darker and, and you don't necessarily need to and you kind of know it. Like if you're being honest with yourselves, you're like, why am I being so grumpy about that or that person? Or why, why is it so easy for me to get frustrated about, about that area or that thing where it, it just, it's quick triggers? Because we don't want to be grumpy. We don't want to be stingy. We don't want to be irritable, right? None of us want to be like the Grinch. So what can we do differently? Like what's the solution here? And sometimes the Bible is so simple that it frustrates us because we read it and we're like, it's got to be more than that. But the truth is we just don't actually do the simple thing it tells us to do. So here's what it says, verse 16. Hold firmly to the word of life, to the Bible, to God's word. Hold firmly to the word of life. He's saying if you want to stop complaining, if you want to stop the negativity, I'll tell you what it is. That doesn't come out of a place of somebody who's truly gripping on to God's word and walking with it. That comes from a place of somebody who might do religious activities, but in their heart they've drifted away from really gripping on to the word of life. He says, then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. When I was a kid, I went spelunking. Anybody ever been spelunking before or know what that is? It means going and exploring a cave. <laughs> Has anybody ever been in a cave and hung out, just chilled in a cave? I did it once when I was a kid, and I was in Boy Scouts, and they took us on this adventure to Mammoth Cave, which is the largest cave in the United States. It's in Kentucky. And we actually got to stay overnight there. And we did this four-hour journey with this tour guide, and he has, like, this headlight that he's leading us through. And there's this one part in the cave 
where, because usually there's kind of like lanterns and guided lights throughout, but there's this one section where they, they couldn't hang up lanterns because the way the rocks were and there was no electricity. And so all we had were like our headlights, or like our flashlights and our headlights to give us light. And he, he kind of stops the tour and it's, you know, eight-year-old Stephen and his friends. And he says, everyone turn off your flashlights. And it's just completely dark. And I mean, we know dark, but when you're in the middle of a cave and there's no ambient light at all, like you cannot see the hand in front of your face. And it kind of freaked us out. We're like, this is true, true darkness. And then he says, okay, turn back on your lights now that I've freaked all your little boys out. And, uh, and he says, here's a railing. We're going to go up this curve and go around and there's light up there. Um, but you're going to have to, you got to hold on to this railing or you, or you might like lose your way. So the, the whole idea is as long as we grip this railing that they, that they had installed in this rock and we're holding our flashlight, we'll be okay. We can follow the light. There's darkness all around us. So all we have to do is hold on to the railing and it will guide our path. And that's like what Paul is saying is we live in a dark, dark world where there's darkness all around us. And the problem is it's so easy to get lost and drift into the darkness and not see our way and to get negative and, and to get frustrated at the things around us because we've let go of the rail. Like God has given us the rail, the word of God, the Bible, and that's what we grip onto. That even if it's dark, as long as we hold on to this, as long as we hold firmly to this, he will guide our way. But the problem is a lot of us do not do that, and then we get upset because we've lost our way, because we can't see the light, we can't see the path. Hold firmly to the word of life. Why? Because as long as you do, it'll keep your heart in the right place. It'll keep you on track. It'll allow you to choose joy and positivity. And as followers of Jesus, what helps our perspective to stay on track when things get dark is holding on to the word of life, because choosing joy begins with choosing God's word. It's up to you if you will find joy in your life because it's your choice, it's your perspective, and your perspective comes from what you hold on to. Now, I think for a lot of us, when we think of the idea of like reading the Bible, I think most people in the world, including those who go to church, never really read the Bible. And we're just honest with ourselves, we just don't. And, and I think sometimes in this kind of conversation, we approach it with the wrong perspective because we, we feel guilty for it. It's like, I need to read the Bible more. I've lost count of the number of times people have said, ah, I need to read the Bible more. And we just feel bad about it, right? Like we feel guilty. It's like, I know I need to read the Bible. more. I don't know if you can read the Bible too much. So if that's our perspective, that's always going to be our answer, right? I don't think you're ever going to get to a place that you're like, I'm reading the Bible too much. Like, I just need to scale back, all right? A little too godly this, this season of life. You need to scale back and a little bit more darkness, right? That'll never happen. So if, if we're viewing this conversation as feeling bad that we're not doing the right thing, we've missed the whole point. This isn't about our obligation. This is about our perspective, that God doesn't want us to read the Bible so that we can check our religious box and be a good Christian. He wants us to read the Bible so that we can hold firmly to the railing so that we don't lose our sight and drift away from the path. And so if our perspective, if we hear, I need to read the Bible more, if that just makes me feel bad because I'm not doing it enough, then I'm missing the point of it. It's not for God. It's not like God is like, good child, finally he's eating his vegetables. It's not for him. It's for us. Like God is trying to say, I've given you the railing, but you won't hold on to it. 
And you think that by showing up for an hour on Sunday morning, that's enough. But it's a dark world. And if all you do is spend an hour with me a week, you're going to lose sight. You're going to get off trail. So I just want to ask you a question that you have to answer for yourself. On a scale from 1 to 10, you're being honest with yourself. How firmly are you holding on to the Word of God right now? Would you say that if somebody described your life, they would say that person is a 10? Like they, they do not stray off because that's, that's their guiding force. Or if you're being honest, it's lower than that. And for some of us, we know it's like a two. Because holding firmly to the rail is not about what happens here. It's what you do with the rest of your life. It's what you do every other day of the week. And I think it's really easy to drift towards negative because we're not even holding on to the railing. One of the things I love is I've got people that I love to be around because God's word it just comes out of them. Like, it's just in conversation. We can be talking about something totally different, but, like, they're able to find God's word in that conversation. One of those people, to me, is David Smith, who some of you know, he's our safety team coach. He's the Vin Diesel, like, Grace Church guy that stands out in the lobby and keeps us all safe, which, as long as David's in the room, we're going to be all safe. But whenever I talk with David, like, he, in our conversation, he just naturally brings up the Bible. Like he, he'll, he'll quote a verse or he'll quote a concept. And, and in those conversations, you can tell when you're talking to somebody who's just rooted in God's word, who just holds firmly to the truth. Like we want to be around that. It's contagious to be around, right? Because we know that like it doesn't matter what happens the rest of their day as long as they stay on the railing. I don't think it's any coincidence right now that negativity and skepticism are at an all-time high while spiritual engagement and participation are at an all-time low. I think there's a direct correlation. And for you, joy may be a real struggle right now because you aren't holding on to the word of life at all. And you may just find yourself hanging out in the darkness, losing your way, losing sight of what God's trying to do. And it's hard to see the light because you're not holding tightly to the rail. But here are the results. Here's the result of someone who holds on to the word of life. This is Paul who is so deeply ingrained in following God that this is like, this is his attitude towards life. And this is a guy who's writing this from prison and it doesn't disrupt his perspective towards life. Here's what it says in verse 17. I will rejoice even if I lose my life, even if everything shuts down, even if there's economic failures, even if I didn't get to see my family as much as I was hoping for this year, even if my entire job has changed, even if my career has changed, I will rejoice pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Like Paul is saying, I have something that I want all of you to have. Because God has given me a spiritual advantage that regardless of what happens around me, I can have joy. Why? Because I'm holding on to the rail. This is my guiding force. It's not everything else in the cave. That's going to cause us to get lost quickly. It's the rail that keeps us on track. Paul is saying, create a different narrative for your life, a narrative that is so rooted in God's word that you can actually rejoice in the stress and in the anxiety and in the frustration and the disappointment. See, for the Grinch, he steals Christmas, or so he thought, right? 
He thinks by stealing presents and stealing decorations and stealing the Christmas tree that he's robbing people of Christmas. But what he learns is that's just like the icing on the cake. Like you can take it away. And what happens with the people at the end of the movie? They all gather around and they keep singing Christmas songs because for them, the joy of Christmas wasn't about the presents, even though those are great, right? And it wasn't about the the decorations, even though those are fun. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not what they were dependent on in the first place. And when he started to realize that, he realized that the root was something deeper because their dependency on Christmas joy was not rooted in things that we see. It was in their perspective. It was in their heart. And your perspective of joy, what Paul is saying, that's like your offering to God. Your attitude of joy is your offering to God because it's the faithful choice to see the world the way that God sees it. The Grinch decided to steal everything away from everyone else. His cynicism drove him to a place that he wanted to rob it from everyone around him. He just wanted to spread darkness. That's what darkness does. It doesn't just cause us to want to feel bad. We want other people to feel bad too. Like we want to pull other people in. That's what gossip is, is we're irritated about something. So we want to bring other people into the irritation with us because negativity breeds negativity. Have you ever been around a negative person that causes you to be negative? right? You can even anticipate when you're spending time with that person that you're going you're gonna to grumble more. You're going to complain more, right? Like we know that. And here's why this really matters. Because the choice to hang out in the darkness and to hang out in the negative zone, what we are actually doing is we're blocking people's access to the testimony that God wants to express through our lives. Like he wants to reflect who he is through his people, as a, as, as a God of joy and goodness and love and light. And when, when we drift off into the negativity, not only is it a place none of us want to be, but we're also now blocking people's access to the true picture of who God is. And we're pulling other people in with us. That God calls us to be a light in the darkness. Darkness is a thief of light. He completely robs others of the opportunity for them to experience the light of Jesus in their lives. That's why Paul ends this passage by saying this in verse 18. He says, yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. I'll share your joy. You want the most basic joy mantra of all time? Here it is. Joy spreads joy. Joy spreads joy. Done. Stephen Mike drop moonwalk off the stage, right? Like that's so simple, but so true, right? Like joy, we know that. There are people that you like to be around because they just bring joy into your life. Like I have friends that when I'm exhausted or tired or kind of, you know, irritated with my week, I know if I call them, they're just encouragers and their joy, it causes me to feel joyful as well, right? Like we don't have to overcomplicate this, that joy is one of those things that just multiplies into more joy. And where does our joy come from? The joy of knowing that God will always take care of us. The joy of God's promise to always be with us, that our clinging to the word of God means that we can find joy because we recognize that our joy doesn't come from here, it comes from here. And when we're holding on to the railing, doesn't matter how dark it gets. Doesn't matter how rocky it gets. It doesn't matter how dull our flashlight gets. All we have to do is stay on track. And that's what Paul is saying. And I don't want this conversation to be something that you feel disappointed in yourself 
because I know I need to do better at this. Because I think all of us know that, myself included. That's not what this is about. It's get back on track. Get back to the rail and, and stay there. And make sure that whatever you do, you stay on that. Because as long as we do, we can find that joy. Because the joy of Christ spreads to us, which then spreads to other people. And your choice to wake up early. Maybe you skip that, zoo, that snooze button just one time and you wake up 10 minutes early. You get a cup of coffee. You just say, this is my uninterrupted 10 minutes a day with God. That choice might actually result in not only you finding more joy in your day, but other people finding joy in their day because they're just around you. I want to show one more clip from the Grinch here of how the joy of Christmas in the town of Whoville, how it, 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 it radiates so much, not just to the people, but eventually to Grinch. We'll show this. This, by the way, kind of spoiler alert. This is like the last two minutes of the movie, but we all see where this is going, right? So let's watch the clip, and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, okay. Do you mind if I say something first? Not at all. Um, well, everybody, I, I just want to say I've spent my entire life hating Christmas and everything about it. But now I see that it wasn't Christmas I hated. It was being alone. But I'm not alone anymore. And I have all of you to thank for it. But especially this little girl right here. Ma'am, your daughter's kindness changed my life. That's my girl. Oh, that was beautiful. That's my best friend. Merry Christmas, Mr. Grinch. Merry Christmas, Cindy Lou. And the Grinch raised his glass and led the Who's and a toast. To kindness and love, the things we need most. I did not know that goat was going to be in the end of that clip. <laughs> I thought it was cutting before that, but that's good. Leave that. That was good. <laughs> I love the line where he says, that's my best friend. Because, like, they're not even friends in the movie. Like, they barely talk to each other. And the whole time, Grinch, like, can't stand him the whole movie. So it's like this hilarious, ironic line. But, uh, I, you know, the movie... I think it gives us all this kind of heartwarming feeling because when, when we live out the kind of joy, this Christmas joy, it spreads the people around us, even to the Grinch. And there's so much, there's so much negativity and darkness in the world. Isn't there? I don't know if I've met anybody who would disagree with that, which tells me one thing. We've got to step it up. We have got to because Christians, the people of God, the followers of Jesus, we are the ones responsible for bringing light to the darkness. We are not tasked with adding to the negativity and adding to the darkness. 
And it's so easy for us to do that. That's our default mode. But Jesus says, I want you to be different. I want you to hang on to the rail, and I want you to help other people to do the same because we so desperately need it. Otherwise, we're just going to be lost in the cave, and we're going to get upset because we've lost track of the light. I want to close with this. Um, Earlier this week, we had uh, a leadership coaching call that um, I invited all of our service team members. If you're on any ministry team here at Grace Church, um, you were invited to a Zoom call this week that many of you jumped on or watched later with a pastor friend of mine, Mark, who has started a church in Southern California. And I just wanted him to speak to us for a little bit about enthusiasm and what it means to lead our lives with enthusiasm. And um, the interesting thing about it was not only... Um, did he do such a good job talking about it to our teams, but he spoke with so much enthusiasm that it caused me to feel enthusiastic. And he talked about how easy it is to go the entire week and not see people who are just enthusiastic and excited about what they're doing. Like most people kind of live in the mediocre or below, but how often do we see people who are truly excited about their jobs? Like, doesn't it surprise you when you interact with someone in your week who's actually excited about their job? right? Even if they like their job, like it just doesn't come out. So he says, enthusiastic, enthusiasm is such a powerful tool that we have to spread to people around us. And when you're talking to someone who's just enthusiastic and excited about life, what does it do? It causes you to feel the same way. And the feedback I heard from a lot of you after that call was actually hearing him talk about enthusiasm with so much enthusiasm caused me to feel enthusiastic, Because when you're sitting there, like it spreads even through a screen. That's what joy does. Joy spreads to us. And that's why we love to be around, like it's magnets. Like we want to be around people that spread joy because it just, it it seeps into our life too. So I'll I'll ask you again, where are you finding yourself being too cynical or negative right now? Just take a moment and, and like say that area of your life or that person, just say it in your heart. Who's that? Where's that? What's that? How are you going to cling more to God's word right now to help overcome that? If you want to trend positive in this situation, do this. Every day this week, just take 10 minutes. Begin your day. Don't say, I'm going to do it later or I'm going to do it before I go to bed because you won't. Just 10 minutes, the very beginning of your day. Because it's hard to stay focused if you do it at the end of your day. That's why you start out your day with this with a spiritual workout. And what I mean by that is, is you're, you're not looking at other things on your phone. And some of you, you want to do your Devo on your phone. That's fine. At least put it on airplane mode or something to where like, you know, Instagram pops up and you're like, oh, God, you're so good. Oh, Instagram. Oh, my goodness. Look at this news feed. Don't allow yourself to get distracted, but truly carve out that time. That's you and God. Just like, just like if you're on a date with your significant other, you carve out that time, and it's just one-on-one. It's you and God for 10 minutes. Find a passage in the Bible that you're going to read. I'm not going to say you have to do this one. There are countless reading plans on the Bible app that you can look at. If you don't know where to start, don't start in Exodus or Leviticus or Jeremiah. You'll get like thrown off because you're not necessarily understanding the context of what the... Those are important parts of the Bible, but if you don't understand the context, it can get confusing. Start with James... Start with John, start with one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, where it's just telling the narrative of who Jesus is, and just take a chapter and spend time with it. And some of you say, I don't know how to read the Bible. Okay, do you know how to read? Then you know how to read the Bible, okay? So let me just say that. Um, don't, don't set the bar, so, you're selling yourself short. That's why I'm trying to say that. You're selling yourself short. 
you do know how to read the Bible. What you don't know how to do is extract truth and apply it to your life. So let me give you three questions. If you're like, I don't even know where to start, let me give you three questions that any passage you read, you can ask, and it will help you, okay? The first one is this. Read the passage. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with marking in your Bible or highlighting, okay? Because the sacred text is not the physical paper. It is what is on the text, okay? So I talk to some people who say, you shouldn't do that. That's the word of God. No, this was printed by some publisher, okay? There's nothing sacred about this book. It's the text, the spiritual text that's on here that's sacred. That's why you can read it on your phone. It can be just as impactful, okay? Here are the three questions. The first one is, what does this passage tell me about the character of God? What does this passage tell me about the character of God? Because every part of the Bible, even if it's kind of a part you not fully understand, you could read a psalm, and it's telling you something about the character of God. That's the first one. The second one is, what does this passage tell me about the character of people? It might say, well, people tend to get irritated quickly. People tend to get anxious quickly. I can resonate with this person because I tend to do that too. What does this say about the character of God? What does this say about the character of, of people? And then, if I had to apply something from this to my life, it would be this. If I had to apply something to my life, what would it be? You can do that with anything. You could watch a movie and say, what's an application we can get from this ridiculous Hallmark Christmas movie? So you can do that with any passage in the Bible. Okay, so what does this say about the character of God? What does this say about the character of people? And what's an application that I could have? There. Now, everybody in the room, we can do this. We can hold on to the rail. This isn't something I want you to feel guilty about. It's something I want you to be excited about. That maybe all that's missing is you, you let go of the rail. And you just need to get back on track. And the beauty of God is it's not like you have to climb all these stairs and the rail's up there. He's saying, just hold on. I'm here. If you don't have a Bible, or maybe you have a Bible and a translation that confuses you, we have these on the back of the seats all over the room. Just take one. You don't even have to tell us. Just grab one on the way out. That's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody has access to the Bible. There's a ton of awesome Bible apps that have every translation imaginable. We teach out of the New Living Translation because it uses less churchy words, but I study personally out of the New, New International, the NIV and the ESV. There's not, we're not like discriminatory in saying you have to do this one or this one. We just want one that can help you to understand the Bible and how to apply it to your life. So take 10 minutes this week and have a spiritual workout with God. And you know, some of you work out quite a bit, and you know that you know, if you're lifting weights or you're doing kettlebells, you don't go upstairs right after it and see the results immediately. It's doing reps over time, over and over and over again, and then slowly over time, down the, ro down the road, the results come. That's what it means to do a spiritual workout with God. A lot of times I'll spend time with God, and it's not like I have this revelation. It's not like that changed the way I see the world today. It's a spiritual rep, and it's just building my spiritual muscles and it'll come out over time. The results often come later. It'll come in the form of like my friend David, where the word of God just, it, it leaks out in conversation. And it may be because he read something in the Bible months ago that he's now drawing upon. So increase those reps, build up those muscles. How amazing would it be if at the end of this year, with all that's gone on, people saw your life as full of joy and positivity because you stayed close to God. You held firmly to him and to his word. Focus on the light and the darkness. That's what it means to choose joy, and choosing joy begins with choosing God's word in your life. Let's pray together. God, um, I'm thankful because uh, you're always there for us, God. The rail never goes away. Your word is always there and God, when we lose sight of you, it's not because you're less present. 
because we get distracted, God. And so I, I don't pray that there's a spirit of guilt. I pray there's a spirit of excitement in this room, God, that the solution is right in front of us. And sometimes we overcomplicate it, but at the end of the day, we just need to put more spiritual reps in. We just need to spend more time with you, God. We just need to spend more time shutting out our life and zoning in on you, God. Help us to do that better, God. Help us to put you first. Help us to have a response to the negativity and the cynicism that's in our hearts, God. The people in our lives that we're struggling with right now, that we're just finding ourselves getting frustrated at, maybe even unfairly, God, I pray that you can help us to have a heart of, of gratitude, of grace, of mercy, of love towards that person, God. Lord, just help us to be fully rooted in your, God, in, in your word, the word of God this season, God. We pray this in your name. Amen.